Well, welcome everyone to the Robin Walter Show here on the Red Sky Radio Network. God bless you today. Um, just a couple of things. Just kind of remind some people that uh, if you would like to pass this program on to others, be sure and tell them how you are reaching it. If you are getting this via a blast email, we have a blast email list for people who don't get it through a radio station, don't get it from a podcast, don't get it from Rumble. Um, of course, if you do want those things, you just put in uh, Robin Walter's show on your podcast or Rumble uh, search bar, and you will pull it up in descending order. But certainly let me know, and we can add you to the email blast list. Uh, and that you can reach me two ways, redskyradio777 at gmail.com. That's redskyradio777gmail.com or Robin Walter Show. No the, just Robin Walter Show at gmail.com. All right, let's roll. Kind of weird good news today. Um, you know, I try to start with good news, try to end with good news. The best news actually is on uh, the pro tomorrow's program, if I can say that, the Sunday morning with Robin Walter, the uh, half hour. Oh, kind of sermonettish, sermonette, sermonettish, I guess you would say. Uh, this program, we apply the word when it pops up to this issues of today. Uh, the Sunday morning program, we, we will take an issue of the day, typically, and then uh, apply a lot of word to it, a lot of lather. So they're kind of like two sides of one coin. But I want to start out with the country of Argentina. And... The uh, and I, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. You know, I, I listen Javier, and I don't know if it's Mali, Malai, Malu. It's M I L E I, and when I don't know how to pronounce somebody's name, I don't. I will spell it until I hear somebody on TV say it, but then I will hear somebody. I'll, I'll hear multiple people on TV say the name differently, so it doesn't really um, help me. I always thought it was Pakistan till. B.O. came along, and all of a sudden it was Pakistan, Pakistan. And um, it was always divisive until I heard this one lady running for office, and she said it's divisive, and, and, and on and on. I know that nonsense. But anyway, Javier, M-I-L-E-I, uh, this guy's a conservative. Argentina, like a lot of countries and throughout all of history, find out that socialism doesn't work. Communism sucks, and socialism is simply the last step before communism. It doesn't work for one reason. It brings misery, except to the elites that are in power who misabuse, disabuse their authority, and they will, they will reap benefits for themselves unique to them and their families and the other elites while everybody else suffers because they think they're better than you are and that's why we call them elites. They think they are better than you are. But not in Argentina. Apparently, the wake-up call, it got so bad, the wake-up call came. And what I wanted to point out was, you know, we'll see how this uh, president 
turns out in Argentina, and do they do they return him in the next election? But what I thought was on the very first day, he cut nine of the eighteen Argentinian government departments. Um, in their various, I don't need to go into which ones there. Basically, he slashed the administrative heads by fifty percent. Who does that remind you of? Well, a little bit Donald Trump, but it actually reminds me more of, of Vivek Ramaswamy. Said, "Hey, day one, we start getting rid of this stuff." Well, you say, "Well, we can't get rid of them without the act of Congress." Well, you know what he can do? He can just fire the acting heads of the departments. He does have that authority, and then doesn't replace them. <laughs> uh, he needs me on his staff. Well, maybe not. Anyway. That's it for that one. Now we're going to move to (laughs) amazing how fast we get through the good news, right? Well, like I said, don't miss the Sunday morning program. Tomorrow we talk about Israel. And then next week, um, the previous to Christmas, because I'm traveling, I have recorded that program already. And I felt so good and anointed on that program. Maybe you won't be blessed. But don't miss tomorrow's, but certainly don't miss uh, a week from this weekend, Christmas weekend. A survey. Survey says, and then the question, was there cheating in the 2020 election? Now, this is a pretty amazing survey that was taken. Um, If you want to look at a survey you can generally rely on, you just go to Rasmussen. Rasmussen, here we go again. I've always said Rasmussen. A lot of others say Rasmussen. And there's a bunch of people who now say Rasmussen. Well, a, a U before two S's, a vowel before two consonants, if I remember my English right. And my mother was an English teacher. Got, just about got her ears boxed for a comma splice in the wrong place. But a vowel before two consonants is a short form. So it would be Rasmussen. But anyway... Gosh, you're back to divisive. It would be divisive, right, by that same rule? Anyway, Rasmussen, in conjunction with the Heartland Institute, did a different kind of a survey. And what they did was they wanted to know how people participated in the electoral process. Now, I think without letting these people know that what they were doing was illegal or cheating, The questions were asked if they ever helped anyone else fill out a ballot in part or in full on behalf of a friend or a family member, such as a spouse or a child, and so forth. In other words, the questions elicited in a fairly kind of benign environment. They didn't ask, hey, did you cheat in the 2020 election? No, they ask these questions, all of which then you can roll into the law, apply the law and say, you know, these are the people that cheated. As it turns out, over, over 20% of mail-in voters admitted to cheating. 20%, over 20% admitted. Look at all the mail-in voters and... um, uh, DT is probably right. He probably is really the legitimately elected president. But moving on then to the illegitimately 
elected fake pseudo faux president Joey Cornpop. I'm your left-wing puppet Biden. What a hypocrite, among other things. I'm going to bash him, and he deserves and he needs to be bashed with truth. Not with untruths, but with truth, right? So Biden uh, does a, uh, a, not a fundraiser, but it's a, a meeting with some people who are supportive of Israel. And he had come out and indicated that Israel has his, you know, full support and everything, what the Dems always do, even though they're stabbing the Jews in the back. But he said that um, he loved Netanyahu. This was at a, a, a group of guests at the White House. It doesn't really say what the group was. Before the thing was over, Biden also claimed that he was a Zionist. Now, there are Muslims who will accept Israel's existence, but will flatly reject and respond to claims of Zionism. And I don't want to get into the distinctions. It's beyond the purpose of this program and for what I have to cover. But this was this was Biden's attempt to be as Jewish as he could possibly be. Though he's lying, though he's, hypocr- he's a hypocrite, which we'll see in a minute. But to be as Jewish as he can be without being Jewish the only way you can be, which is what Scripture says to accept Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Court says that he who is a true Jew is one who is a Jew inwardly, not circumcision of the flesh, but circumcision of the heart. Okay, so this is Joey Cornpop playing faux Zionist one night, and then the next night before a fundraiser, which has a broader base of uh, Democrats, he goes out and bashes Netanyahu. He tells the guests that, um, you know, the night before, that the administration, they have his back or whatever he likes to use, those terms. But at the fundraiser, he says, Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, needs to change his hardline government that has made it very difficult for the international community to back Israel in the war against Hamas. So, understanding here that what... Now, Biden is is saying that Netanyahu needs to replace members of his democratically elected governing coalition, as well as accept a Palestinian state. And why? Because it's me, big, big, big Joey Cornpop, telling you, Israel apple of God's eye, what you ought to do. Netanyahu, I would not be the least bit offended if you flipped the bird to Joe Biden. In fact, I would probably... Oh, you're too classy to do that. That's probably something I would do. But, uh, Ben, you're, you're too classy for that. Anyway, so they're the, they're the only democratically elected country, government, in the entire Middle East. Everyone else is run by kings and tyrants and dictators. The only democratically elected one. And he is now telling Netanyahu he needs to get rid of them. Forget the election. 
just get rid of these guys. Because they're causing problems. They're not doing what I want and what my the, my donors here in the U.S. want. Many of them who are Palestinians now and Muslims who frankly just hate your guts. Well, he goes on to say, quote, this is the most conservative government in Israel's history. As though that's a problem? <laughs> oh, my goodness sakes. Uh, but he goes on to say, well, you, need to, you need to change this because the, uh, the international community does not support you. Well, guess what, Joey Cornpop? During the tribulation, the international community is not going to support Israel either. No, when they say peace, peace, then there will come on them sudden destruction. The world, the world will fall apart, and particularly in the Middle East, because the international community will not support Israel. It does it now. It it does it. It supports it less even now than it used to, which wasn't much, and it will be less even then. So don't worry about Israel. Don't worry about the international community. Hey, if you got God on your side. Uh, you form a majority. The promises in the word are forever. And um, <laughs> they don't really need to worry about it before that. So there's Joey, uh, hypocrite Biden. And the interesting thing here is I want to point out an article here by Michael Massey. And I think you would do well if you just went and read it. Michael, uh, by the way, is spelled M Y C H. A L M Y C H A L Massey M A S S I E. I read everything Michael writes. He's brilliant. I got to sit there with a dictionary. I have a decent vocabulary, but there's always a couple of words popping up I don't know. And I got so, but don't don't let that stop you. And he re read or wrote a piece called Dem Poles, not like Dem guys. But D-E-M, short for Democrat, polls, meaning politicians. Dem polls hate Jews as much as they hate those who look like me. If you just get started on that, Dem polls hate Jews, uh, you'll, you'll pull it up. But as much as they hate those who look like me. Well, what people look like Michael Massey? Michael Massey is black. So the reference here is that Democrats hate Jews ultimately as much as they can't stand blacks. And I want to read ex a few excerpts that kind of whet your appetite, but you ought to go read it and then just become a regular reader. He says things better than I do on certain topics. Um, well, not maybe he would on all topics if he covered all the topics I, I talk about. But he was talking about the unprovoked terrorism of Hamas. And he says, quote, that must be met, must be met, with overwhelming response that makes clear that such unprovoked barbarism won't be tolerated. Only those as demonic as the October 7th terrorists themselves could disapprove of a defensive military response to the provocation. Which brings me to the self-unveiling of the Democratic Party and their Marxist supporters who champion the satanic propagation of hatred, division politics, and the dehumanizing of so-called black people, women, and Jews. 
Now, this is a, remember, this is a black guy writing this. So, I mean, it, some of these things, you would have to know that to understand his point of view. Continuing the quote, the Democratic Party and the Marxist counterparts have been hoisted on their own petard by the pathetic life forms that inhabit the sewers, that is, the classrooms of academia and government. Any Jewish person at this point who doesn't realize the extent to which they are hated by the Democrats and its ideals, that they are in overwhelming numbers supported for uninterrupted decades, if not a century, is beyond blind. Now, he brings out something that, I mean, I have brought this out. Maybe that's why I'm reading this in part, because he's echoing the frustration that I have had for many, many years. I love the Jewish people and the Jewish nation. They seem to be smart and gifted in many ways, and you stack up all of the Nobel Peace Prize awards and so forth, and there's a ton of Jews listed there. Virtually no Muslims, hardly anybody. I mean, a few Swedes, a few Americans, and so forth. But um, Americans in a non-ethnic sense, I'm saying. But the but what has blown me away and has frustrated me is how could they be so smart and intelligent and not see that Democrats are their enemies and still vote overwhelmingly for Democrats? Do you not recognize the people who hate you, who use you, who just suck the blood out of your wallets because that's all they want you for is their money. They suck the blood out of the black communities because all they want from them is, is their votes, or in case of Obama's case, in exchange for free cell phones. So that's why he said this. Any Jewish person at this point who doesn't realize the extent to which they are hated by the Democrats and its ideals, that they in overwhelming numbers have supported for decades this hatred is beyond blind. Democrats have used and taken advantage of Jews just as they've done with the intolerably gullible Negroes who value the reprehensible stupidity of crayon color skin above the Holy Trinity. Continuing how can American Jewish people not understand it was the Democrats who empowered and directed the KKK? How could they not realize that their sponsorship and involvement with the ACLU would lead to court-ordained legal favoritism for the likes of Muslim terrorist front groups like the Council on American-Islamic Relations? How could Jewish people not realize that giving hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars to Harvard, Princeton, Yale, and countless other institutions like them would not come back to threaten their very lives. Democrats take Jewish money, but they hate the Jews. How can the Jewish voters and the taxpayers support a political party in massive numbers when that party has elected politicians calling for the destruction and death of American Jewish people? And Israel. How can they support a political party whose elected officials place the filthy flags of the people who only days before butchered and slaughtered 1,400 innocent people in the doorways of their offices in Congress? I want to interject. Rashida Talib, are you listening to this? <clears throat> Continuing. The Democratic Party has reduced worshipers of melanin 
to abject inferiority and victimhood. Democrat policies have destroyed the Negro family, the work ethic of their young people, and choosing instead to resurrect segregation. Where is the outrage for the so-called women's groups in the aftermath of the unspeakable barbarism that the Muslim sons of demons perpetrated on October 7th? I will let you read the rest. Now, I want to pick up on some things that he said here in uh, on the Jewish hatred. Uh, you know, finally, we've got somebody who's really just laying it out like it is. Michael has a far bigger microphone than I have. So I appreciate that he's doing that. But I look at, as I have said for years, how many years have I said that all the real Jew haters in Congress are Democrats? They are. What I haven't drilled down further on, and I would not have other than the MIT, Harvard, and University of Pennsylvania, these poison Ivy League schools, until uh, until the anti-Semitism issues emerge, I haven't drilled down on the fact that the squad are all women, four women Jew haters. The Jew haters that are the presidents of the Poison Ivy League schools that are testifying in front of Congress, all of them are women. And uh, uh, and I'm this McGill who's resigned from U of Penn, and then what's her name? Her last name is Gay, um, the w- woman who's head of president of Harvard, who now they have shown <clears throat> plagiarized her dissertation and plagiarized it greatly. Where did she get the idea? Probably from Joey Cornpop Biden, because he plagiarized most of his campaign speeches the first two times he ran for president. But anyway, why are all the notable, and I just say notable, Jew haters here? Help me with this. Why are they all women? We have three university presidents who are grossly anti-Semitic, four, the four squad members who hate Jews. We got the seven most notorious and visible Jew haters are women. I ask I ask my wife this question. Help me out here. And then I think it came to me. Men and women react in different ways to reflect their hatred. That's all I can think of. Men, what do we do? Um, you know, we, we may be we may end up in fistfights. You know, hatred is reflected in the male community at its most violent manner, traditionally by stabbing, shooting, killing, maiming, these physical things that guys seem to do. If women want to be on the front page of the paper as much as men, all they have to do is start committing more murders. You realize that? That's all you got to do. You want to share equal space, just commit a lot more murders than uh, historically women do, and you'll be on the front page as much as men. But men, women don't do that. So whether it's because uh, they are not physically, generally speaking, as strong as men, maybe they resort to using knives made up of words and murder tools made up of words and policies. And so is that it? 
I don't know. You can write me, redskyradio777 at gmail.com, and tell me just how much you disagree with my suppositions. But if you've got a better idea, let me know. I, it's, just, it's an open question. It's not a rhetorical question. I really do want to know why the seven most notorious Jew haters now in the country are all female. It's nothing against women. I think we're, like I said, I think we're just, con- men are constructed differently. And, uh, and to make that point further, how many of the terrorists of Hamas were women? I think the answer is zero. They may be a cheerleading squad back in Gaza City, but they leave it to guy the, the, the women like Rashida Tlaib. They, they fight with their words. Their knife is words. But if you want to kill, maim, rape, behead, uh, then you call on the guys. And that was who went in to Israel. Well, okay, to a related topic, not com- totally related, but i got to work this in. Vivek Ramaswamy, you know I love this guy. Nothing he's done has has turned me off. In fact, uh, the debate, which I covered in detail last week, only further underscores um, my support for this man. But some things that came out afterwards I find really, really interesting. And that is, um, you know, what what are the ways by which I know that um, he's the right guy? Not necessarily as a president, but certainly as the vice president. So what are, and there are three. As they say, the enemy of your enemies is your ally. Sometimes you identify your friends and who really you should be supporting by identifying those who hate that person? And what is your perspective of the person who hates the one you're trying to evaluate? So let's start with, I got three things here I'd like to cover, and I don't think I'm going to get them all in before the break, but just don't go away. One of the clowns, if you will, one of the thugs in Obama's administration was Van Jones. Racist, uh, Christophobic, bibliophobic, hates Christians, conservatives. He's articulate. I'll give him that. But um, inarticulate Jew haters, Christ haters, bibliophobes, inarticulate ones don't concern me because they don't, uh, they're not going to win over people. I mean, they're not going to win over and pay, pay, say things like, well, uh, this is this is the way, uh, you know, uh, us guys we don't we don't want to have no stinking Republicans in uh, Congress. You know, I mean, you say that you say those kind of things, and people sort of dismiss it. The person may be smart, but their means of communication impacts the impact of what they're trying to say. A person who can say things artfully. Uh, has greater impact. People say, oh, he sounds pretty smart. He's probably right. And maybe that might not be true. As many as people have said, some of the most, the, some of the dumbest, most inarticulate Brit- Brits, British, sound more intelligent than some of the most intelligent Americans. And it's by the way they speak. It's kind of high-handed in some cases. Sometimes kind of haughty-toddy a little bit. Um, sounds a bit elitist, but 
it comes with a certain stroke of power and impact. I don't know why that is, but uh, that's uh, something they got over us, I suppose. So coming back to Van Jones, here's what Van. Here's somebody who I have zero respect for. Worked for somebody I have zero respect for. Works now for somebody who re, I have zero respect for, being CNN. Um, or he's on there a lot. I don't know. If he works for him. He's on there a lot. But this is what he said of Ramaswamy: "Quote." You're watching the rise of an American demagogue that is very, very, is a very, very despicable person. And I literally, I was, I was shaking listening to him talk because a lot of people don't know. That is one step away from Nazi propaganda coming out of his mouth. Goodness sakes. You know, typically... The one who embraces the principles of Nazism are the ones who are always calling other people Nazis. And the left clearly reflects Nazi principles, but how often does from Obama to particularly Joey Cornpop to Van Jones to Pelosi, whatever, that they will use the terms like Nazi and fascist when all they really have to do is just go look in the mirror. And they've, I, they found one. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. Call me irresponsible. Call me unreliable. Throw in undependable too. Do my foolish alibi. Ah, Bobby Darren, I love that song. How does it apply to this program? I have absolutely no idea. I just simply love it. And probably a lot of people would call me irresponsible. Irresponsible reporting. Uh, reporting. But anyway, okay, the three th- additional confirmations. Additional ones. Not these three, but these are added to all the other things. Why I support Ramaswamy here. And this this first one, you, you, know, you, you know your friends and your allies by identifying the enemy of your enemies. And and the because uh, the enemy of your enemy is your enemy of your enemies is your ally, your friend. So you look at Van Jones here. So I gave that to me. I mean this guy said he's literally shaking, literally shaking. Are you serious? Van, I didn't know you were such a wuss. Number two, reason number two. The New Hampshire man 
who came out, and this guy is a just a whack job. But that's the left. And he's been arrested for threatening to kill Ramaswamy in camp and his supporters at an event that he was giving. Now, Ramaswamy is, is silent, notwithstanding the fact that the mainstream media hates him because they fear him. I said, oh, my gosh, this guy says this is this is this is Trump. But someone who's more articulate, more precise, twice the brains can talk twice as fast and bury opponents with knowledge and effective arguments, all of which constitute the truth. We really hate him. And of course, the rhinos hate him because he is Mr. Anti-Woke which we will get to reason number three in just a minute. But before that, you get all these whack jobs, like this guy said, I'm going to kill. What do you say? I'm going to kill everyone who attends this rally and then blank their corpses. You can fill in the likely word for that. I'm not going to say that on the air. But this is how sick he is and more reflective of a lot of Democrats than you could possibly imagine. So uh, when the left reacts with violence, saying they're going to kill somebody like Ramaswamy, who's the author of, of Confusion? Uh, who, is, who came to kill, steal, and destroy? Steal, steal kill, and destroy? The devil? The one who's, who loves killing, loves encouraging Pharaoh to kill all the Hebrew male boys to, that were born, Hebrew midwives disobeyed. Was it Satan that encouraged Herod? I'm sure it was, to kill all the baby boys two years old and older. I'm sorry, two years old and younger in Bethlehem and in the suburbs. Who is it that's killing all the babies today? Who is it that supports euthanasia and the mercy killing? Who is, it's, they're all Democrats all animated by the devil himself. And he showed up with his little whack job emissary in New Hampshire to kill Ramaswamy. So the more these kinds of things happen to him, being called a Nazi, when the ones that make the accusation are the real Nazis, ones uh, wanting to physically attack him, they only underscore my support for this man. And we get down to number three. Reason number three. Speaking of people that you don't trust, your enemies, speaking of rhinos, probably the quintessential rhino, the king of the heap, pick of the pack, is who? Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney is such a disgrace to conservative principles. He is constrained a bit only by his moral, by his Mormon leanings and inclinations because he's Mormon. But anything that where the church has waffled on, he will waffle more. If the, if the Mormon church has capitulated, he's leading the capitulation. I can't stand Mitt Romney. I don't like people dressed up in a robe of righteousness who underneath are filthy rags. This is how, this is the third confirmation of the legitimacy of Ramaswamy's campaign and him as a candidate is that Mitt Romney came out and said he will support any 
Republican candidate that is out there today, except for Donald Trump and Ramaswamy. What does that tell you? I'll tell you, I'm, I tend to be, without any further evaluation, I tend to be for anybody that Mitt Romney's against. And all the left is against him. Other rhinos are against him. The mainstream press is against him. I, I, I don't know. We'll just have to see how it goes. <clears throat> and I want to just share one more thing that goes back to the debate. Ramaswamy's defense of a no-participation role in the Ukraine, which he hashes it out with Nikki uh, Haley, who I don't need. I don't even want to get going on Nikki Haley. But he hashed it out with her why we have no business being in Ukraine, why we spend billions to protect their border when we won't protect our own. It all makes sense. Why are we going to send our young men and women over there maybe to die or be at risk? You, Nikki, when you can't even identify the three provinces or states in Ukraine where the fighting is going on. And he said a whole bunch of other things because Zelensky, understand the Ukraine is fundamentally as corrupt. And I'm saying this from knowledge of reading, but also you, you listen to Tucker Carlson and others, they'll say the same thing as, as Russia is. The only difference between these two corrupt countries is that one of them attacked the other. There's really the only difference. But I will tell you what Ramaswamy has said about Zelensky and Ukraine was confirmed in my heart even further. He could be mistaken, but he doesn't lie. I don't think he's a liar. He could be mistaken. I mean, everybody grows in these campaigns. But the picture that I saw of Zelensky hugging George Soros' son, Alexander. Zelensky is ultimately a globalist, just like Biden and Obama, just like the first George Bush, for that matter. But when Alex Soros, who is worse than, her, than his uh, father, George, who I understand to be on his deathbed, he's, he will have more money to do more damage to both Israel and the U.S., Christian influence, you name it. And when he is buds with Zelensky, we're back to the whole thing. How do you identify your allies? The enemy of your enemies. Well, here, here's two. Here's if, if Ramaswamy is talking against globalism, wokeism, ESG, DEI, and Zelensky is doing what he is doing on these $75, I'm sorry, $75 million yacht. Which, how did, where does he get $75 million? Uh, duh, maybe it was American aid, the billions. And the people trying to defend him say, no, he only uses a yacht that's owned by such and such an operation or corporation. Well, how, where they, <laughs> that's, what politicians do to try to scrub themselves is to distance themselves from illegal acquisitions on the surface and make them fuzzy acquisitions in the subsurface. And that's what Zelensky did. Well, okay. Want to change the pace? Let's talk about somebody really interesting.
Not really. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to say this. I was, I was ready to throw this piece out, and I'm going to include it. I think I've got just enough time. But it's a warning. Those of you who have uh, children that are, let's say, sub-25, those of you who have grandchildren, especially girls, this is a warning, to avoid and run like the plague, like there's a plague, because it is, from everything associated with Taylor Swift. Understand, now she attended a, a, a show the other night that was exclusively for the benefit of Gaza. And to benefit Gaza means you benefit Hamas. Hamas is the government. Hamas takes the things that, that come in there, the aid that's to be distributed, and they, they take their cut, they get what they want, and maybe they distribute the rest, maybe they don't. Helping Gaza has always been about helping Hamas that hates Jews and wants the extinction of Jews and the elimination of the nation of Israel. So Taylor Swift apparently is indirectly at least pro-Hamas because she's definitely pro-Gaza. She said nothing about the murderous barbarian torture of Jews. She's also including occultic components to her her shows. She's pro-abortion, pro-sodomy, pro-tranny. I think she's pro-abortion, but I don't know that I've read that one way or the other, but it certainly goes along with all the others, right? It's all fruit of the same tree. And the biggest problem of all is not that she's pro-Gaza, she's a cultic. Um, I said pro-abortion. I gotta, I've got to rephrase that. I think that she is pro-abortion because she won't stand for pro-life. So sometimes... You can identify what people won't stand, what they stand for, by identifying what they won't stand up for. And so, while she hasn't stated that she is pro-abortion, I have concluded she is because she won't stand for life. But the biggest problem of all of those things, whether it's Gaza, whether it's occultic, whether it's pro-abortion, sodomy, trannyism, transvestitism, sex change operations—you name it. The biggest problem of all is that she's such an idol. She's an icon. And I mentioned on the program, a party t <laughs> said to me, how did you dare to say that? Well, what I said was I thought that um, Taylor Swift was ugly. And and I do mean that. And he said, oh, that's not even nice. Well, I don't care if it's nice or not. It doesn't matter whether it's true. As a young man... Very young man, you you tend you tend to be drawn by the looks of a woman. Gosh, is she pretty? Gosh, are those great legs? I don't care what it is. Let's not run from the fact that men uh, are, are tend to be drawn visually more than cerebrally. All right? That one advertisement, I still laugh at it. I don't know what they're advertising. Why men die early? And that young man, probably 30 years old, on a train in Europe, and he's going down the road, and there's a woman walking on the sidewalk, and she's in heels and a nice, very nicely dressed, not provocative, but also not modest necessarily. Very attractive. He sees her. He's about dozing off. He sees her. He, is, he lights up. His head just lights up. 
he slides the window on the train down as fast as he can, sticks his head out, and then the next shot, it shows a train coming into a tunnel where the clearance between the train and the wall of the tunnel is about four inches. So he's going to lose his head. I get that. I was young once, but the older I get, the more I really perceive and understand beauty to be a reflection of what shows up on the face but originates in the heart. All right? Um, I'm going to wax philosophical here for a minute. But the heart is sort of like the headwaters of a stream. You don't see the headwaters, do you? It's coming out of a, a mountain or a spring up in the hills or something like that. You don't see it, and you don't know its source. You tend to see it when it makes its way into the ocean or it's coming along as a river. And the heart, and I, I'm saying this as a heterosexual male, of course, to me, the beauty of the woman increasingly is defined by what's in the heart because the heart is like the headwaters of that stream. And by the time it makes the ocean, in other words, by the time it makes it to the woman's face, you can see a light in the eyes. You can see something in, in the lips, the hair, the way the person carries themselves. They're just a more attractive person when Jesus Christ is in their heart. I would not have guessed. I mean, at, at 18 years old, all girls look cute to me. They all were fresh and bubbly and everything else. But I will tell you, take an 18-year-old Christian girl and an 18-year-old who uh, has no use for the Lord, uh, throw 50 years on each one of them and tell me which one looks better. I will tell you, it's the Christian woman because what comes out of that heart leaks all the way to the face and takes up residence and space on that woman's face. And she just becomes more attractive. Taylor Swift is ugly because what shows up on her face is what's in her heart. And it sadly, sadly, is not a nice thing. Okay, I wasn't even going to spend too much time on something I wasn't even going to talk about. So, because we are coming up to Christmas, let's have a couple of Christmas stories. Now, Christmas is interesting because it's supposed to be the time of coming together, right? It's supposed to be the time of joy and all of those things. And I desperately want you to hear the next two Sunday Morning with Robin Walter programs because they're very different Christmas-related messages. The one tomorrow dealing with Israel and the one next week just before Christmas itself, I'm going to let be a surprise. But the fact of the matter is, Christmas, while it's supposed to be a time of coming together, is a time of great strife and divisiveness and sometimes loneliness and hatred. I get it. I get it because Satan hates Jesus. Satan hates everybody who loves Jesus. If we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ... Who, what would Satan attack, at least uh, in the doldrums of winter, more than Christmas itself? And cause division, division. He's the author of confusion. And I've got three quick stories here. One, there's a group coming out that is uh, Target. Target stores, which was pushing uh, the tranny crap, is now selling queer Santas. And pride nutcrackers. Queer Santas and queer nutcrackers for Christmas. 
I just, it, it blows me away. But not really. There's a petition to Target to not do this. It's got a lot of signatures. But the fact of the matter is that probably isn't going to mean anything or do anything. Because don't demand change if you are going to continue to shop there. If you want to boycott Target, Target, Target. Let them know you're, you don't support this, but also say, not only am I not shopping there, I'm going to use all the influence I have, be that great or small, to influence people to not shop at your store, which hates the true meaning of Christmas. Why, a store that's Christophobic, bibliophobic, truthophobic, and is in love with, and for the sake of making money with things that God calls an abomination. The next Christmas story. <laughs> and you thought I was going to read from Luke. No, not this program. That's the other, another program. The public Christmas tree lighting. Gavin Greaseball Gruesome. Um, there are some, just some I just have so little respect for, but he was all set to do the annual lighting of the Christmas tree at the state capitol. Uh, but then there was a group that came out to supposedly out Newsom, out Governor Newsom for hiding what they say from the public because he doesn't support standing up for Gaza in the face of what they called genocide in Gaza, which is not genocide, but that's another story. So, uh, because Newsom doesn't have the cojones to go out and light a Christmas tree, which, interestingly, the Palestinians are Muslims. Muslims don't like Christmas. Christmas tree, it's distant, but it's reflective of Christmas and Christ, right? I mean, Christ is in the Word. Christ mass. That's where the term word comes from. But because he doesn't have the cojones to go out and light a simple tree, and for what it represents, even though it doesn't reflect him at all, personally we know that because you know a tree by its fruit, that Christmas tree has some ornaments on it. Newsom's tree has corruption and evil uh, moral practices and everything else hanging from his tree. So we're talking two different trees here, but because he doesn't have the cojones to go, to go light it, for fear of Palestinian reaction. So we already know the Palestinians run Sacramento now, right? Apparently so. He decides to have a virtual lighting of a Christmas tree. Virtual. Well, you know, maybe we could have a virtual uh, Gavin Newsom. Well, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't say that. Because there's some thought that the Antichrist will actually be a It'll be have the appearance of a person, but actually will be a virtual person. I don't know. Can't get into that. Last Christmas story comes from that city, which is a bastion for Christian evangelism. Boston. Uh, not. Oh, that was tongue-in-cheek. So the mayor there, racist Michelle Wu, W-O-U, a Democrat, an Asian, I don't know what that is, Chinese, Korean. I don't know what Wu is, but woe is Wu. She obviously is under fire because she was planning a Christmas party among the staff for the city of Boston 
as long as no whites were allowed. You heard that right. She wanted a, sta a meeting where no blacks, Hispanics, <coughs> um, Muslims, Chinese, whatever. She wanted a non-white Christmas party. She should be sued, tarred, feathered. And if the Bostonians are so stupid and immoral as to keep voting for somebody like that, then they get what they deserve. And what was her apology? Obviously, she violated the uh, code of ethics. It's only for people of color that get to come to the Christmas party. And do Chinese even celebrate Christmas? Well, some do. But, I mean, it's interesting. Well, you know, I don't want to go that direction. I'm running out of time. So here's the apology. The apology wasn't because the invitation said no whites allowed. It was the apology was for accidentally including whites in the invitation. In other words, her way, she the communication with her aide got screwed up, and, and the aide was only supposed to send out invitations to non-whites. But instead, the invitation went out to everybody and then said, no whites allowed. That was the, the apology is that they screwed up the message and the whites were never supposed to get the invitation in the first place. They didn't apologize for what the message conveyed. They apologized for, for screwing up the delivery vehicle and how it was done. No apology for the substance of the discrimination. Well, the left hates Christ. The left hates, they're Christophobic, bibliophobic. It's their time of division. Well, you know, there will be a time, and I'm glad, I, you know, I love Christmas. I really do. And I, I want to end this on a good note that notwithstanding this program, don't be discouraged. <laughs> I, yes, I gave you three Christmas stories, but I gave you the three Christmas stories the way the left views Christmas. How do we view Christmas? Well, obviously it's the time Jesus was born. We celebrate that. But if it ended there, um, it wouldn't be the holiday it should be. Right? He was born because without being born, he couldn't die. And if he couldn't die, he couldn't be resurrected. And if he couldn't be resurrected, then... We can't be resurrected. You know, the Christmas message has become my 15-minute evangelical message in an airport when I'm when they call people to board and I've only got a few seconds to say something to the person. I would say, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Do you? Jesus was born so that he could die. He died so that he could be resurrected. He was resurrected so that we could be resurrected and have eternal life with him. If you don't accept them and believe that, then you're screwed. Have a nice flight. I only got 15 seconds, folks. That's, the, that's, that's my gospel message in 15 seconds. Have a blessed time with your family. Remember, what pulls you together with your family and believers is greater than anything the enemy has to divide us. Remember, we ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. See you next week. 